I struggled with calling it a cult. Like, I wasn't really comfortable saying that word because using that word meant that it means I fell for it. Right, 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 right. You know? Yeah. It, looked, it looked negative on me, yeah. but I had to just come to grips with the fact that, yeah, you know what, man? I was part of one, and that did happen, Yeah, and it could happen to anybody. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. My name is Aldo Martin. And I'm Cousin Eddie. And together, we're going to explore what it's like to be in and leave a religious cult. How do people even get involved in a religious cult? The International Church of Christ began in 1979 in Boston, Massachusetts. From 1979 to 2003, the church went from being located in one American city to occupying cities and towns and villages in over 150 countries around the globe. With a blend of recruiting practices based in New Testament beliefs and an aggressive form of charisma, the organization went from 30 members to a little over 100,000 members in 24 years. Despite the steady increase in number, the church also experienced an even more acute level of decline in membership. During its height, the International Church of Christ operated as a revolving door of new members entering and disappointed members leaving. The question is, why? The church did its best to exalt the teachings of Jesus Christ and to hold all of its members to a biblical standard of Christianity. However, this came at a price. Members of the organization were taught to view any and all outsiders as either potential new members or potential enemies of God. Either you are with us or against us. Throughout its existence, the International Church of Christ was known as controversial, a beacon of hope, and to its members as God's only church. In fact, the leaders of the International Church of Christ knighted themselves as God's modern-day movement. Many people, however, began to view the church as a cult. There is sufficient evidence of cults around the world and throughout history. The word cult evokes suspicion, fear, and anger towards the suspected organization. The word cult can also elicit a negative evaluation of its members by the general public. But the question still lies, how does one even become a member of a cult? This podcast isn't just about the International Church of Christ per se. It's about how the circumstances of one's life can lead a person on a search for belonging and acceptance. It is in the pursuit of community that one can become a prime target for such an organization that can be described as a cult. It is the sense of community that makes it difficult for one to leave when they finally do become a member of such an organization. You're going to hear the stories of former members who will describe to you what their lives were like before they became members of what many regard as a cult. You're going to see that members of high control groups, pseudo cults, and real cults for lack of a better term, are in many cases just like you. Now imagine one of your closest friends was in a cult and you had no idea. Imagine what that conversation might be like. Imagine what questions you might have. What you're about to hear is just that. One friend telling another friend about his experience in a cult. So why don't we start from the beginning? Where, how did you possibly stumble upon something like this? 
particularly, well, let me ask you this. Okay. What is the religious stance in your family? Did, were your parents very religious? Good question. Uh, no. Okay. No. My mother, um, at the time, I, I got involved when I was 18. Okay. So prior to that, uh, my family had never gone to church on a Sunday. Ever. Ever in life. What about your parents' parents taking them when they were younger? I'm not sure. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not sure of that. Um, but I just know that for us growing up, we never went to church on a Sunday. Um, I had never been in a church building. Did you guys ever do any holidays or anything like that? Yeah, we did all that. You talking about like like Christmas and Easter and all this other well, stuff? I mean, did you, did you? Some people go to like Christmas mass. And stuff oh, like go that. to church on holidays? Yeah, negative. Okay, so nothing. Negative. Nah, right. nothing. Nothing like that. My parents are the same way. But I do remember when I was young, and um, I'm going with maybe when I first came to America. Um, Shout out to coming to America, though. Shout out to coming to America. Shout out to coming to America. Because when I saw that movie, I said Part that, one and two? We're going with part one. <laughs> but, you know, part two gets an honorable mention. But <laughs> shout out to coming to America. But when I came to America in, um, I, I was really young. I was about five, five years old. But I do remember my mom, when I was about six or seven, her studying the Bible with Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. And okay. They would, and they would come over to the house. Okay. And, you know, they would have these uh, biblical discussions with my mom. Yeah. And then my mom would, in turn, discuss with me and my brother, you know, the concepts of God. Okay. Right? The concept of Jesus. Um, not, not so much relaying everything that she learned from them, mm-hmm. but kind of just giving us, you know, basic information. Like, oh, by the way, you know, there's a God. Yeah. Just to let you know, FYI. Right. <laughs> and he's got a son named Jesus. Right. Just, so, you know, but just be careful when you're out there. Right. <laughs> Shout out to Jay. <laughs> and and so that that was the extent of it, right? So, like I said, my mom would or have Canadian the Jehovah's Witnesses well. come over, but that wasn't a lingering theme in our house. Like, they would just come over, like, once a week, and, you know, she would have that discussion with them, and she would, you know, tell us about God and stuff like that, but that was never... That wasn't a thing. That wasn't a theme in our house. I wonder what it was with your mother that it didn't grow beyond that. That's kind of fascinating. It's a fascinating that she would get to the point where she would sit and have discussions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe it was genuine curiosity no, I, whether I, it was real or not. No, I know. Uh, she told me uh, years later when I was an adult, she said they just wanted too much time from her. Okay. They just wanted too much so time. So she had a good sense of... This can really, this could really swallow me whole. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To her, to her credit, okay. to her credit. My mom was like, you know what? I've got <laughs> stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> I got a whole life. Yeah. And I have children. <laughs> I have children. Yeah, yeah. Five children. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I, so that that was her thinking behind it. Okay. So, gotcha. and so, and so she, she, what she told me was, even though she believed in God and, and believed in all this other stuff. She didn't put that on her children because she wanted us to make up our own mind about it mm-hmm. as we got older. Right. And and so that leads me to the age of 18, which, where I made my decision. Uh, which I know for a lot of religious families, not that yours was religious, I, that's a pretty uncommon thing, I yeah. feel like. For, yeah. It's probably, actually, it's probably more common now. I feel like people are a little more... Possibly, probably, probably more common than than we than we would think. Because yeah. if we're thinking in the eighties and the nineties, 
What's different about uh, growing up in the 80s and the 90s is that unless you're part of a large community, a close-knit community, you really feel like your life is isolated from everybody else's. Right. Right? And your life is different from everybody else's. And no one can relate to what it is that you're experiencing. Right. But in actuality, (laughs) everyone's going through the same shit. So you're 18. I'm 18 years old. And... I was riding the subway and uh, riding the subway home on a Friday evening, and some guy invited me to a church service. Just began a conversation with me on the subway. Uh, I think I was on the A train, headed uptown. And um, what do you, what did you what did you typically do at eighteen years old for fun when you when you had downtime? Since you were headed home on a Friday, what would you typically <sighs> be doing? Uh, you see, eighteen years old for me is is is. Again, I'm going to say it's not like a lot of 18-year-olds, mm-hmm. but maybe I'm wrong. But 18 years old for me was a very was a very sad and dark time. Okay. Okay? Because here in America, at 18 years old, people are going off to college at 18 years old. Yeah. Right? They had just completed high school. Whereas for me, I'm going into my senior year of high school. Right. Right? After, uh, oh, excuse me, I'm going into my senior year of high school. My fifth year of high school, mm-hmm. right? So essentially, and what they would they were calling a super senior, a failure, sure, right, sure. a failure. Sure. And at eighteen, I didn't realize that. Um, well, I was sad and depressed yeah. a lot, but I didn't know that I was sad and depressed. Right, right, right. I didn't know that it was depression. Sure. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I had been depressed for 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 many years. Right. Right. So this was this was just it. We good. We good. We're good. Yep. Cousin Eddie was just looking at the screen again, and uh, I, I didn't know if it was it was a nervous thing. We're good. The feds aren't coming. We're good. Aren't okay, coming. good. All right. So, um, my outlook on life was very pessimistic. I, I was not suicidal, but I did not think that there was much to look forward to. Okay. Because I considered myself a failure. Yeah. For not graduating high school in the four years, uh, I considered myself a failure for not being a good student. Right. I considered myself a failure because. All my life, people told me that I was a failure, uh-huh. right? Well, I shouldn't say all my life, but uh, that's what I remember, mostly in my teens, you sure. know, having that that negative outlook. So what did I do? I would, you know, I'd hang out with friends here and there, but not all the time. Let me ask you something. Setting very, very close personal experiences aside, did you have teachers who felt like you were dumb because you... You came here from a different place, and you no, I don't. Here. I don't think so. Okay, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it was that deep. And even if, even if they felt that way, I don't think I would have known. Okay, you know, I was too. I was so much into myself. Um, as I remember, man, I had I had some pretty kind teachers. I had teachers that did the best that they could. Yeah, I thought because you know? and the reason I asked that is because, uh, you know, I was thinking back the other day, and I was like, man, I had some real bad teachers <laughs> like like you look back and you go man i just surprised some of the behavior they got away for got away with yeah like, I, real, I don't real terror like real nasty to kids and i'm not even talking about dealing with problem children yeah just like they they kind of have a chip on their own shoulder well i i should know? say i should say though that my second grade teacher though yeah uh miss powell i hate that lady mm-hmm I mean, if Miss Powell's alive today and I see her right now, it is on sight. She's getting dropped. <laughs> Yo, straight up. 
<laughs> Straight up, she's getting molly whopped. You know that's powerful if you still feel that way for Bro, all these years later. Listen, man, I was in second grade. Second grade is what, seven years old? This lady used to hit me with the ruler. Okay. She used to hit everybody. But so she had she had, she had certain like Catholic people. nun mentality. Catholic nun mentality yeah. with a with a what I don't know with a drunken pirate mouth. Right. Like, what are we talking about? Right. Here? So yeah, I, I would definitely wreck shop on that lady for sure. Did I just say wreck shop? <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> anyway, it's on site for her. But aside from her, I, I thought my teachers, you know, did the best they could. You know, it wasn't it was like anybody was overtly mean. I just know that um, school just wasn't working out for me. That's all. Did I you know. have? Um, did you have good friends in in school outside of school, like around where you lived? Um, yeah, I had friends in school. Yeah, uh, I didn't really have friends outside of school, but I had friends in school. Did you guys go do stuff, or w- no. was it pretty much the friendships were kept? Too? Yeah, the friendships were at school. In terms of like doing stuff outside, you know, it was. It was uh, it was just me by myself. Yeah, it was just me by myself. So at eighteen years old, um, I would you know hang out with my friends, go to the movies, you know, shit like that. Yeah, not too often, but most of the time I was by myself and just you know lonely, you know, okay. for lack of a better term. And um, and I, I used to you know just do regular boring shit, you know, uh-huh. nothing nothing exciting. So I remember um, I was coming home from playing basketball this evening where I met the guy from church. I would play basketball in Central Park. Um, Not because I liked Central Park. It was just something to do. To me, it was better than just going across the street from where I lived to play ball. It was a trip. Yeah. You know, just let me go down there and play and then come back up. It was, I liked riding the subway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that part was entertaining. But anyway, so uh, I'm riding back home and this guy invites me to a church service. Uh, coming up on a Sunday, uh, a church service that's going to happen the following Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I felt honored. I was like, wait, somebody's inviting me to something? Nobody invites me to shit. <laughs> right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but it was it was weird, though. It was weird. It was like, church, what, what are we talking about? And um, But then I decided to go. I really but you, but you genuinely felt... Um, you genuinely felt happy that someone asked you to do something? Yeah. Because what's interesting about you is when I first met you and and understanding what your personality was, Mm -hmm. you seemed the type to me that you would be scary on the subway and like I wouldn't (laughs) want to talk to you. Well, simply because I not because I think you're a bad person, but simply because I I you seem like the type to be like, don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. I got stuff to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, don't bother me. Yeah. But that's because you met me post cult. Right. Right. Post cult. Right. Pre-cult is a different person. Okay. Post-cult was more of my defenses were already up, right? Because I already had in my mind that never again. Right. I'm never going to let anybody tell me what to fucking do. Right, right, right. I'm never going to be in an organization that's going to tell me this or that. No. So maybe that's what you were seeing, right? The hard edge. Yeah. So maybe that's part of what makes it difficult for you to understand that, or not difficult for you to understand, but- what made it surprising for you to understand or learn that I was part of a cult? Like, wait, right, that guy? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> that guy? Right. So, um, yeah, so he invited me, and 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 uh, I went. I went the following Sunday. I went at, at Central Park, 
and uh, and little did I know that that would be the beginning of the rest of my life. Right. This season on the Reclamation. Why are religious cults important to you? I thought I was ready to answer that. Around cults and and how they come to become so powerful and and have an impact on people's lives. But when you see these signs, run. Like, don't think about it for a second. Just leave. People that get into religious cults, Mm -hmm. in my experience, have always been people that are looking for acceptance. Right. The positive sides to having had this experience. How far do you think you would have gone for this organization? There are ways in which people that are in high control groups and cults are able to be persuasive. Using this church as a safety net for problems around your own lives. So you're recruiting under the guise of going to do fun events. Guys. So I'm away from all of that mm-hmm. um, and having to build connection all over again with people I don't quite get or understand or feel like understand or get me. After a while, <clears throat> your social life revolves around this church. Plan on becoming Christian. It's an immediate feeling of acceptance and, and yes. the, the, the feeling of being lost goes away very quickly. Quickly. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it awakens something that you were lacking, right? It met a need that if I did not continue, that the relationships would change. And honestly, it was a breath of fresh air for us. So that's why I say, like, for us early days, it, it was, it was like much needed. For people who were who left the church, we were strongly discouraged from having communications with them. Um, there was actually never a discussion around that stuff at all. And um, it was almost ignored. Join us next time on The Reclamation. For more information about The Reclamation podcast, or to even tell your story, find me on Twitter at Aldo B. Martin.